Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. Hallelujah. You can be seated right there. I just, I don't know how all this is going to come out. Uh, Gavin, if you can get the clock rolling back there where I can just see what, try to be some kind of know where a flight schedule is. Amen. We welcome you here this morning. How many of you enjoyed David and Catherine this morning? Come on, let them know you love them. Hallelujah. Yes. Now let's honor the presence of God one more time in this house this morning. Come on, let's honor the presence of God one more time in this house this morning. Hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to preach real quick. I'm going to try to. I am a long-winded preacher. Some might say. But I want to go to Zechariah chapter 10. If you find that... I want to go back to where we were on Wednesday night. We were in this place and we were talking about hunger. Someone's got a car in the parking lot going crazy. And um, But I want to go back along those lines and I want to preach from this text this morning. Zechariah chapter 10 and verse 1. Father, we just thank you for your presence. Lord, help me articulate what I believe you're trying to convey to us this morning. We give you praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' mighty name. I brought up three different men on Wednesday night, and I was talking about how hunger. Now let me just say this, that I don't believe that not one person in this room can just say, I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to hunger and thirst like never before for God. You understand that you can't, you can't give God glory unless He gives you glory to give Him. You can't love God without God giving you love to love Him. And we can't hunger for God without God giving us an invitation. That's really what it is. It's an invitation. And our response to the invitation determines to the level in which we're going to move in it. He simply invites you and I respond to the invitation. He woos to the inner chamber. But you and I must get satisfied with the outer court. To be pulled into that place. To where your spirit and his spirit is intertwined and God meets us there. The psalmist said in 42 that the deep part of you begins to cry out to the deep part of him. And we talked about these different ones that could have coasted on ministry accolades. The, the accolades of ministry and where they had arrived. And I brought up John Kilpatrick. If you looked, he was an Assembly of God pastor at Brownsville. Went there in the 80s. I mean, if you got 1,800 peak, you got an 1,800-seat sanctuary roughly. I mean, you've arrived somewhere successful in ministry, most would say. you got a TV ministry. Uh, you, you, everything seems to be going good. But in his life, there was something that, that, 
there was something that was crying out for the more of God on the inside of him. And he began to meet God early in the morning, 3, 4, and 5 a.m. in the morning. And he began to lay in the pews of that sanctuary there at Brownsville Assembly of God. And he began to cry out, God, there's got to be more. We as the American church must come to terms. If this is all Jesus died for, friend, it was all a fake. I'm going to try to be nice. We have got to begin to close the gap of modern day Christianity to biblical Christianity. Boy, I feel... Mm. Boy, I feel God in this house this morning. And he began to seek God. God, would you come? Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? Some would say that's not even a theological, that's theologically incorrect because God has already came. Now let me just say this. There is no more of the Holy Spirit going to be released on the earth. It has already been released. But our discovery of what has been released has yet to be fulfilled. Boy, I feel God. We have not yet begun to discover just as to, to discover just as the Hubble telescope has launched into space and it has not even to begin to discover why because to the increase of his government and kingdom there shall be no end it's growing every day friend and you and I have I, man I can't even hardly preach this I'm, I'm just so ate up with this stuff John Kilpatrick begin to cry out God there's got to be more And I was going to show a clip, but they saved the time. I'm not. But you can go and you can YouTube this, and it's on YouTube. But on Father's Day, 1995, at 12:01, he began to. Steve Hill was an evangelist preaching that morning. He began to invite the church to come down. And at 12:01, John Kilpatrick took the plat, took the mic on the platform, and he said this. He said, "Church, this is what we've been praying for." He said, "Come wait down in it. Come wait down in it. Come wait down in it." And John Kilpatrick described what he heard was a roaring wind that he thought was coming from the cluster of speakers up above his head, but he realized it wasn't coming from there, that it was coming from the back of the church. And he felt a literal wave pool of water around his legs, and as he began to wade out in it, you can see it on the clip that he literally comes down to about the second or third steps, and the power of God knocks him out. And that Assembly of God church had roughly, I think, what they said, about 18 or 1,200 people in it that morning and uh, said that many did not leave till the sun was coming up the following day, which sounds mind-blowing today in the hour that you and I are living in, especially down here in the South. At 11.30, we're looking at our watches to see if we can make it to a buffet. And why do we buy and spend our money on what does not satisfy? Isaiah 55. And so... For five years and over 150,000 conversions in Pensacola, God had shown up. Now, I believe God comes where He's invited. You understand what I'm saying? He comes where He's invited. So there's this invitation from heaven to invite us up, and then we invite Him in return. Would you come, Lord?
And so in this, the Lord was speaking this word to me. And I told you I'm not intelligent enough to, to really get it. So it takes me a while to get it, hanging out with Him. But I preached a couple of weeks ago on this posture. And so the scripture says to pray for rain in the time of rain. It says ask for rain in Zechariah 10.1 in the time of the latter rain. So the posture when we begin to see what we're seeing with our eyes this morning is not to camp out on that and think that that is it. But the posture is to say now I see the rain. So now I know to position and posture myself in a place of prayer to say now's the time to ask. I, I feel it. My God, like a boat disintegrate. If you're not used to this, I make no apologies about it. I come from the Methodist church, friend. There's a journey. If you're hungry for God, God will let you climb the ladder, friend. Are you with me now? you got to get sometimes out of Granny's religion. Get in that Bible and hunger from Him like Zacchaeus. God, I want to know you for who you are. I want to see you. I'm not satisfied with reading God's generals. Where is he at today, friend? I'm alive in 2018. I wasn't in William Branham's meetings. I've got to have him today. And so the posture is, is when we begin to see God move, the posture is you ask for rain in the time of rain. When you begin to see God manifest, that's when we begin to push the envelope for more. The other guy, I'm just giving you a recap for those who wasn't here Wednesday night so we can go into this. We've got to close the gap from, the visible, to, to, from our visible reality to the scriptural reality. What we've got to close the gap from what is presently seen to what is biblically available. That's good, church. I'm going to say it again because half of you didn't get it. We've got to close the gap from what is presently seen to what is, to what is biblically available. We can never allow the visible reality to become our definition of Christianity when the visible reality is in opposition to the biblical reality. Where's healing in the church? I want to ask you, where's healing in the church? We don't even see people use James 5.14 anymore. In most of our churches, the elders don't lay hands upon the sick. When the scripture says in James 5.14, look at the way James writes the letter. If there be any sick, it was uncommon for there to be any sick folk in the church. But if there were, if there be anybody be sick in here, let them call upon the elders of the church. And the elders of the church shall anoint them. And the prayer of faith shall, 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 shall heal them. We must come up higher, church. We must realize that we are deficient in the power of Almighty God in our churches and we must be willing to climb the ladder. What? I'm going to preach it quick. I just feel the Lord so strong in this room. Listen to this. 
We don't need more of God out of heaven. Listen, we do not need more of God out of heaven. We need more of God out of us. That's good, man. We don't need more of God out of heaven. We need more of God out of us. Do you realize that God, the Father, the Father is for us. Emmanuel is God with us. But the Holy Spirit is God in us. Yahweh God residing on the inside of us. We still got people in the south believing that God resides in the church, friend. He don't dwell in temple made with man's hand. He know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And if God is residing in you, then what is in you is greater than what lies before you. We need a discovery of what has been deposited on the inside of you and I. Just got a few quotes right here. When we cease pressing in to experience more of God, the very thing we labeled as revival in a former season will become religion in the next. Because we did not posture ourselves to contend for the more. Matthew 9, 17 says that men can't, that we can't put new wine into old wine skins. But God puts new wine into new wine skins. What's the funny revelation about this? The old wine skins were new at one time. They simply camped out and lost their ability to expand with what the Lord was doing. And what I found it is not that most of the time that stand up against the move of God is not the new anointed wineskin. It is the unanointed old wineskins that usually stand in the way. This scripture is found in Hebrews 5, verse 11. It says, We have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. How do you become dull? To become dull, you had to be sharp at one time. But what happens is we become dull. A knife becomes dull through continual use. If we're not real careful, we'll get caught up in being used of the Lord and not even realize how dull we have become. I just want to set this right here. What kind of relationship would we have if Catherine looked at me and just said, I just want you to use me? I don't want to use her. And we pray these prayers, God, would you just use us? That ain't how it works, friend. It works that we're just in love with Him. And what we do for Him is overflowing out of that love relationship. That's what ministry is. Ministry is an excess of what's done in secret, friend. What we just experienced this morning, if it was a song service that God wouldn't have never showed up, but if it's an overflow of a private place, God will always show up on that. That's why Jesus, when the disciples were signing autographs, he retreated back on the mountain. Saying, Father, would you just pour back into me? Father, would you just, Lord, would you just commune with me? Oh, how I miss when we were face to face. This is what Jesus was saying. Would you just pour back into me? Would you just flood back into me? 
And he leaves that place of prayer to he's overflowed with the presence of God. And he comes to the city of Nain in Luke chapter 7 and he sees a woman weeping because she's bearing her only child. And he stops that funeral procession. And he says, what God has put in me on the mountaintop is sufficient for this right here. He walked with that kingdom reality. He was never taken by surprise. When there was the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus didn't look to the Father and say, I don't know what in the world are we going to do. He simply took what was available to him, which was a few fish and a few loaves, and he looked up into that realm, which was unlimited, and he said, Father, I pray that you bless this. The problem is you and I, we're trying to, we're trying to get our problems up to heaven instead of looking down from a place of victory and get heaven to invade our problems. My gosh, that's good preaching, church. Look at this scripture in 2 Corinthians. Go with me right here just for a second. Second Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. What, you, what are you being transformed into? The image of Jesus. From glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Do you understand in the kingdom of God, He only knows increase. God has never experienced, experienced a dead decrease in His life. He only knows increase. So what is this? What does this tell me? This is the life of the believer. We're in a constant state of transformation from glory to glory. If your children, let's look at our spiritual life just for a minute. If, if, if your children has not grown from the age of 12 to 15, you would be at every position that you could find of to figure out what has stunted their growth. But yet in the church, we see people that have been in the church a decade and they're still at the same state they were a decade ago. And there's not a problem within the church. And we wonder why. We want, and, that and the question is, is leadership is not wondering why that their growth is stunted. But the scripture says that we are changed from glory to glory or strength to strength. This is your life, friend, adding increase every year. Now here's, here's where we make a mistake. Now you can't measure growth on a weekly basis. You should take the stick out to measure growth only about twice a year. Because if I put the ruler in my house and my goal is for my sons to be in the MLB and be 6'3", just be beast, you know what I'm saying? Don't have a little dream, okay? But here's the deal. If the goal is to be 6'3", and I put the tape up there every week, they will be discouraged. Why are we not growing? But if I put the measure up there about every six months or every year, they will look and say, wow, look how much I've grown. Are you with me? And sometimes we look at people and we look at the T.D. Jakes or the Rod Parsleys or the Bill Johnson. Bill Johnson is fifth generation, friend. He's been at it a long time. He didn't turn into that overnight. But there was a transformation of glory to glory in his life. It's the same available to you and I today. That's what is at work in your life. Now here's the deal. 
where the chasm is is in the middle from glory to glory as Joseph Garlington says from glory to glory but in the middle it's gory in the hallway from glory to glory it's gory and what happens is when you find yourself in the chasm, you have, to, you, have to, you have to contend to get to that next state of glory. Because if, not, if, if you don't contend for it in that moment, you will, you will get comfortable at the present state of glory, which is what we've done a lot in the South and in the American church. Comfort is the enemy of growth. You will, hey, you've never been inside of a gym where it says it's so comfortable in here. Where the goal of the gym, we just want to make this as comfortable as you possibly can be. We got pillars everywhere. We just want to make it comfortable for you in here. No, the reason why they're playing Eye of the Tiger is to get you pumped up because you've got to realize there's a battle you've got to fight in that gym. You've got to press through being sore. You got to press through being discouraged that you not lost the five pounds that you were believing for this week. Come on, somebody. You got to be contending. This is the same way in the realm of the spirit. Now, let's look at this. Paul said, We are transformed into the image of Jesus from glory to glory. Now, let's look at this in Philippians. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. It says, now that I've all, Not that I've already obtained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brother, I don't count myself to apprehend it, but one thing. I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward, look at this, I press toward the goal for the, for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let, it, let us, as many as are mature, look at this, have this mind. If anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this to you. What is a sign of maturity to the believer? The posture is more. Now, we preach this in the church. And I have done it too to help people that Paul's talking about, well, I let go of yesterday's failures to press toward. No, what I believe Paul was saying is, I appreciate how good God was back when we did that at Corinth. But listen here, I'm leaving that behind that I may press into what he's going to do at Ephesus. You've got to be willing to let go of former glories. The church, listen, when we go to camp meeting, all we talk about is stories in the 60s when God used to be alive. Can I tell you this morning, and he's the same God today, yesterday and forevermore. If he did it then, if he was God in the book of Acts, if he was God in the 50s, if he was God in the 60s, if he was God in the 70s, surely he's God today. He said, I've learned how to let go of that place I was at. Why? Because I'm mature and I'm pressing in to that next realm of glory. Let's go right on. You all right? I know how to fly this plane. I got it flying pretty quick, okay? I'm always going to get near the airport around 12, okay? Do not worry. 
I promise you right now, most, some of our churches have already shut the doors. They closed up. They already at the buffet. So there ain't going to be enough chicken for what's in this room right here. Okay, so just hold on. Listen to this. We don't cry out for open heavens. If you're praying for open heavens, stop it right now because it's not even biblically correct nor theologically correct. We don't pray for open heavens. Come on, I'm trying to help us. The heavens have already been opened. You cannot take Isaiah where he said, oh God, that you would rend the heavens and come down because God already rend the heavens and come down. Come on, are you with me now? So we do not pray for open heavens. But what we do pray for is open eyes. We don't pray for open heaven. We pray for open eyes to see what's available. Heaven has been open since Pentecost. We need God to open our eyes to see what he has already made available to us. Go to Ephesians. Chapter 1. Verse 15, therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and in the knowledge of him, look at this, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? My God, church, there is an inheritance that we have not opened the checkbook in America to begin to write the checks. But can I tell you this morning, we are a mega wealthy people that God has not left us as orphans. He left us here as sons and daughters and all that he had in his possession. He said, now I give unto you all power and authority has been given to me under heaven and earth. Now go therefore, make disciples of of all nations we can't even disciple the church but he said make disciples of all nations I'm just trying to show you how much religions lowered the bar don't get mad with me people get mad when you preach the Bible mad tell them I was preaching in one place one night they had to run out and crank the truck up they were getting mad as fire because I made a statement that the Lord can't come back today well, you don't know that. See, the problem with the problem with that kind of preaching is, is we've looked at the world to determine the return of the Lord. You never look at the world to determine the return of the Lord. You look at the bride. The wedding, my God. The wedding guests don't determine the time of the party. It's when the bride walks down the aisle that's determined the time of the wedding, friend. And the scripture says that the bride, Paul, in his glorious mystery of the church when he was called up into the heavenlies where he said of himself, I know a man, he didn't even call his own name. I know a man whom 14 years ago whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, but such a man was called up into the third heavens and I saw things which I cannot even utter. He receives this mystery of the bride of Christ. And it says that she will be without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. And she will make herself ready. What's going on in Russia and all on CNN and Fox News, that does not determine the return of the Lord. The bride does. And it's when the bride gets out of place that we say the spirit and the bride. There's a unison. 
there's a unison in the earth and the heavenlies are all in cadence and the spirit and the bride say come we cannot stand this separation any longer come it's not when we want to see the rapture happen to get us out of debt and all our troubles it's when the bride falls in love it's when she's willing to get out of bed in Song of Solomon and said, let me arise and look for my lover. Let me arise and look for the one whom my soul loves. And it's when the spirit and the bride say, come Lord, come Lord, come Lord. Then we know we're getting close to the rapture. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Now look at this. Not one time do we find Paul Asking God to send something down from heaven. He never asked God to send anything down from heaven. His prayer was simply, open our eyes to the reality of what's already came down from heaven. Church, can I tell you prosperity's already came down from heaven? Can I tell you that healings already came down from heaven? Can I tell you deliverance has already came down from heaven? Can I tell you that salvation has already came down from heaven? Can I tell you that complete wholeness has already came down from heaven? But you will never access it until you have eyes to see what is available. Have you ever been to the pantry just wanting something? Mine is chocolate. And you look in there and you don't see it. But all of a sudden, one of the kids running, Daddy, look, there was a Kit Kat in there. He simply accessed what you didn't have eyes to see. Can I tell you this, that Kilpatrick, William Brannan, John and Carol Arnett, Bill Johnson, Lester Summerall, all these ones that we read about has simply accessed something that you and I have not seen. It was in John chapter 20 or 21 at the resurrection when Mary was waiting outside the tomb. The scripture says that she, that Peter and John came running and said, stooping down, looking in, did not see him. They turned around. A lot of times I believe that's, that's the way we do it. We stoop down one time to look in and we don't see him. And we give up at that point. You know, I got three boys and we love to play hide and go seek sometimes. Sometimes I hide from them really difficult to make them really search for me. You know what I'm saying? But at their point of giving up, I will release a sound. Hey! To make them turn around and come back. Don't give up. Jesus told us this posture in prayer. He said, to knock he said knock then he goes on and he begins to tell us this parable of an unrighteous I mean a lady that goes sees an unrighteous judge and he says I tell you the truth that that judge didn't avenge her because he liked her because she deserved it he avenged her because of her continual knocking And then he goes on to say, how much more shall your heavenly father avenge his own that call upon his name? What's happened to us, churches, we've just got tired of the knock. We've got weary in the knocking season. 
And so now, it, that's why it makes it difficult for guys like me to have to just preach to your veins of blowing out of your head to try to get the church to realize what's available once more. What's available once more. Now let's go right here. I'm almost done. Not one time does he say, God, would you send anything down from heaven? There's no more of the Holy Spirit for God to send down from heaven, but there's much more of the Holy Spirit that needs to be sent out from us. Now let's go right here. I'm almost done. Let's go to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 19. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to fertility, not willing because of him who subjected in hope. Because the creation itself will also be delivered from bondage of corruption. Into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption and the redemption of our body. Now what is he saying? It's just talking about Adam who jacked the whole garden up. When he sinned, friend, you know, I mean, we've we preached this, Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. And what we preach is he's looking for souls to save. Let me tell you something, he came to seek a whole lot more than just souls to save. Oh, that don't, that, that sounds, that gets folk mad. Well, you saying the target, what you saying the target was not salvation, the reason why Jesus came. How many of you ever went bowling? And then you go to a bowling alley, when you go, when you throw the ball down the bowling alley, there's little there's little bitty triangles at the beginning of the bowling alley. Those triangles are not the initial target. The strikes, the pins at the end of the alley is the initial is the target. The, 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 the triangles are there to show you how to line up to get to the ball down there. The cross for salvation was the initial. The end time goal is that the Holy Ghost who had been sealed in heaven, come on somebody, till he went to the cross and sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat. Read the account. The Holy Ghost said, I was there. Read first four chapters of Proverbs. He was there. He was the one hovering over the chaos. The scripture says in Job 36 that worship, Lucifer was leading worship in heaven. And God got up while Lucifer was leading worship and started creating. Every time we lift up the name of Jesus, Psalms 22, 3 says, not only does he inhabit, but it says he is enthroned as a king. He's enthroned in the praises of his people. And God starts creating. He starts opening doors that no man can open. He shuts doors and no man can shut. He heals the sick. He delivers those that are bound in worship. And the Holy Ghost, when Adam fell, was in heaven saying, my God, when am I going to be loosed back into the earth? Not only that, there was a deed. Adam signed the back of the deed to the earth and handed it over to the enemy. If he didn't do that, friend, how in Matthew 4 when Jesus fought the devil, how could he say, all of this I will give you? 
You can't give what you don't have. All of this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. Take the shortcut, Jesus, right here. I'm going to give it to you right now. You with me? So when Jesus came, that's why in Matthew 28, Matthew 28, he says that all power has been given unto me. And heaven was no revelation. They never lost authority there. Man, I'm opening up a can of worms right here. But now he said on earth, because I've reclaimed that deed back. And we got it. Now think about this. Now a lot of people, the church struggle with this. They believe that there's this great fight between light and darkness. When they walked in here this morning, when Matt walked in this room about 7.30 this morning, it was dark in here. When he flipped the power main and the light come on, the light was not begging for any darkness to leave. The light simply overpowered and ate up the darkness. There has never been a struggle in heaven. The creator don't struggle over creation. And Lucifer was a created being, friend. Are you with me now? I ain't got time to... I'm chasing a little rabbit right here. But you got three archangels in your Bible. Lucifer, Gabriel, and Michael. There was never any struggle. So what we've done is, in the, in the American church, especially in the South, where I I've, where I've did most of my ministry at, we've made God into the image of us and we've made the devil some big bad something that we can't even hardly deal with. Creation. Could it be that the earthquakes which are not a judgment from God I don't care if whatever, whoever told you that's lying. Well, you know, God's about to judge homosexuality. I already judged it over 2,000 years ago. He's not about to do anything. He already has. I'll get off of him. I just, I just like getting out there on these limbs. Just read the Bible, friend. I said he already has. He's not about to judge it. He already has. And God don't judge a city by the sin in that city. He judges a city by the light that is available to that city that's been rejected by the church. I'm not... When are we going to come to the terms that devils don't stop the gospel, friend? They don't hinder the gospel. They don't stop the gospel. The most demonized man in Mark 5, when Jesus stepped foot on the shores of Gadarene, he ran to him and said, set me free. Come on, devils are not hindering the church. Unbelief is hindering the church, friend. Traditions of men are hindering the church. It is unbelief. The Holy Spirit is, unpris- is imprisoned in unbelieving believers. Done. Put your seatbelt on. We're coming down. So here's the thing. Identity is big. But let me tell you two ways we've perverted identity in the church. One way right here. This is the main way that I've seen. Well, we just sinners saved by grace. Pastor, you know we just sinners saved by grace. If you believe that about yourself, let me tell you one thing I can guarantee you about yourself. You've got a major sin problem. You wonder why you can't cut HBO and Cinemax off because you believe you're a sinner saved by grace. If you believed you was a child of God and a saint of God, you'll cut it off. You will act out what you believe. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So the church has humbled us down to a bunch of sinners. We're just a bunch of sinners that are saved by grace. Paul never wrote one letter to sinners saved by grace. He did write letters to the saints that are at Ephesus, to the saints in God in Christ Jesus, to the church at Thessalonica. 
He's writing to saints. Your and I identity is a saint of God in Christ Jesus. None of us deserved it. It was the gift of righteousness given to us on the cross. Here's the other thing. The other identity. I'm a bad spiritual joker. To take it over into pride. So let me just try to set the scales. It's not as much as about who you are. It's as much as it is about who's inside of you. What makes me worth more than any money you can give me is not about who I am. It's not about how theologically I am sound. It's not about how many degrees I got tied to my name. It's not how much biblical knowledge I have. It's not about how many people I've seen healed. It's not about how many people I've seen filled with the Holy Ghost. It's not about how many devils I casted out. It's by the one who, what makes us worthy is the one who called us. And so what happens is we become to get our identity realizing that really the King of glory does reside on the inside of us. Do you know why I believe God can heal the sick in this room? Because God's in this room. You say, I don't know about this. Alan was here three weeks ago and had severe knots on the bottom of his feet. He's carried for 20 years of calcium deposits. Word of knowledge, just like you saw you saw Catherine and her husband operate, God spoke to me standing right there and said, someone in this church has got knots on the bottom of their feet. I had no knowledge of that. He never told me that or whatever, so we simply called it out. We said, by faith, then we looked from the stage on the platform. I said, in the morning you shall call me. And you shout, you know what I'm saying? And when you got a room full of people in that realm of faith, when you come out of that realm of faith in the natural when you're eating dinner. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. But either God's God or He's not, friend. He, got, he, he wakes up at 3 o'clock in the morning, the knots are still there. He says this, Father, I thank you for healing my feet. I thank you that it's completely done, just as you said it was done. He goes back to bed. 6.30, he wakes up. There's no knots on the bottom of his feet, just as God said. If God's really inside of us, then everywhere we walk, we carry the rule, the reign, and the administration of heaven. It's why Todd White will be in Israel walking to the Muslim, bring me the sick. Let me tell you this, you'll know we're getting close to the rapture of the church when the church celebrates when the disease walk in the room. Not because they believe they're fixing to go see their heavenly father, but because they just walk to a place now that there's a realm of faith that can take care of that and eradicate that. You better give God some praise and glory in this house. I will know, I will know that we have been transformed in this room when I see our posture toward disease. Was telling a story, Dave was telling me a story about David Hogan last night. Was with Heidi Baker. The guy was killing Christians, right? Had the sword on his side, killing them. Heidi said, go take care of them, right? And I was thinking about you, Danny, when he told me the story. He said, David Hogan walked over there and said, I heard you were killing Christians. He said, yes. He headbutted him and busted his nose and he said, well, kill me. Huh? Where that in the Bible? Jesus would have turned the other cheek. He headbutted that man and said, pull that sword and kill me. 
what was the end of that story? They gave their life to Jesus Christ. Where is the church? I want to ask you this morning. Do we got a church in Sparks, Georgia that believes all things are possible? I said, do I got a people in Sparks, Georgia that believes all things are possible to them that believe? Move this out of the way. Now here's what we're going to do. We're going to come down here this morning before we leave this house. You don't got to come. If you say, preacher, I'm hungry for the more of God in my life. I need a touch from heaven. I believe God's going to meet us here. David asked me last night when we were at dinner, he said, well, where did you get the spark? And I shared a story with him that happened to me when I was 18 years of age. Friend, I want to tell you, what you're looking for is found in him. He is the only thing that can satisfy. What you're looking for is found in him. Religion will leave you empty. Religion... It's just like a flu shot. It vaccinates you with just enough to prevent you from getting the real thing. But if you ever taste the real thing, no icicle preacher is ever going to hold you back. You will run after him. Your life will be forever changed. Now, Father, I thank you for the more of God. Let me tell you a service just like this. There's, you can go home and Google this. Google Fish and Lowe's. It's Mike and Deanna, whatever, the Van Halt or something like that. It was in a service just like this. It was a man preaching that morning by the name of Randy Clark. And he got to the end of that service and he just simply, you, you've seen their story? It's on the Father Lights. And, yeah. And, um, so he's, he's preaching and he just says, more Lord. Mike was a president, I do believe, of a bank. Wealthy guy. God arrested him in that service. They sold everything they had. Then his wife opened up the closets in her house to the church and said, come get everything we got. They moved to China where they were staying roaches on the floor and she looked at she looked at she looked her, her little children just came up to her real close and she said God what kind of mother would take their children out of an environment that they had riding in Mercedes to having nothing and living in filth with roaches on the floor one that has caught a glimpse of his face would do that. They're not living with roaches on the floor now. But all the babies that are thrown, that nobody don't want, that's literally thrown in the dumpsters in China, they're picking those babies up. Many of them are deaf, blind, can't even speak, nothing. They just look at them and say, you're wonderfully and fearfully made in the image of God.
Because see, your father and my father picked us up in the same kind of condition. But this wonderful thing called grace reached down and got us. Now, if you, if you say, here's the deal. I'm hungry for more of the Lord. I want you to come right here. Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media.